in the Civil Rights Act of 1968, America does move forward. And the bell of freedom rings out a little louder. This is A Little Louder, a podcast for wonks, housers, and rabble-rousers, where we talk about fair housing, community development, and how we can use these issues to build people power and work toward equity and justice. I'm John Hinneberger, and I'm joined today by Aaron Hahn, research analyst at Texas Housers, and Tori Tavermina, who is a eviction prevention specialist at Texas Housers. Aaron watches for Texas Housers all of the money flowing through the state emergency rental assistance program, which goes both to the state and to multiple local jurisdictions. And Tori monitors what's happening in eviction courts, in JP courts in the state, in order to figure out how tenants are being treated and also to figure out how the eviction diversion program is working or not working within those courts to prevent tenants from being evicted. On April 8th, the Texas Tribune ran a newspaper story in-depth feature on problems that exist within the administration of the state emergency rental assistance program, which is administered by the Texas Department of Housing and Community Affairs. It was a really in-depth, good story, and it ran in newspapers across Texas. Both Tori and Aaron are folks on the ground looking at the way that this program is working and some of the issues with the program, so we thought we would devote this episode of A Little Louder to hearing from people who have a in-depth knowledge about how that program is working and consider some of the things that were brought up in the Texas Tribune story. Aaron, you want to start us off by giving us a review of the major issues that were raised in the Texas Tribune story? Sure. So the story mentions several scenarios in which tenants are falling through the cracks in the Texas rent relief system and not accessing the assistance that they need. And so this would include when tenants are being, they've applied for rental assistance and they are evicted either before or after that rental assistance check reaches their landlord, which is illegal. Landlords cannot evict a tenant during the months that the assistance is is approved for. And judges in eviction court are also required to abate or extend an eviction case if a tenant has a pending application for rental assistance, which my colleague Tori can can speak more. Another scenario is when the tenant is approved for rental assistance from two programs for the same months. And so a tenant could apply to the statewide Texas Rent Relief Program, but they could also apply to their local ERA program. And when they are approved for the same months of assistance, this is called duplication of benefits. And that would warrant either the state or the local program clawing back these funds. And sometimes the system is just really difficult to navigate for tenants who are experiencing so many other issues. And they might be confused about the fact they're not supposed to apply for the same months. And so over over no fault of their own, they're losing this assistance that they, they could greatly benefit from. The final scenario is when Texas Rent Relief approves a tenant for a certain amount of months of assistance and then mails the check to either the wrong address or the wrong landlord. 
apartments. So again, over no fault to the tenant's own, they are just being prevented from accessing the assistance that they need and that they were approved for. So first, Erin, let's get at the context of this program. This is a very large program in terms of the amount of money that exists and in terms of the number of people who are applying for the program. Approximately how much money are we talking about the state administering? So as of today, actually, Texas Rent Relief has dispersed almost $2 billion to over 300,000 households in Texas. And it was recently approved for an additional $47 million through the Treasury's reallocation process. So this is a, a very big statewide program. It was one of the first to finish its ERA-1 and ERA-2 allocations. It was highly efficient, and so it's received an additional $47 million to disperse. And I think it's important that we do highlight that, what you just said, that the program did get national recognition for being highly efficient compared to other states in terms of getting the money out to people. I mean, it's never efficient enough when people are facing imminent eviction, but relatively speaking, the state program did a pretty good job of getting the money out in a reasonable period of time, right? Exactly. We don't want to minimize the very real harm that some households have experienced in their time applying to this program and seeking assistance. But at the same time, this was a, a massive program that was set up in the midst of emergency, and it did end up being very successful. Like I said, it was one of the first state programs to finish its ERA-1 and ERA-2 allocations. So you're right, context is important. This was a highly successful program in terms of expenditure. And, and I want to emphasize in this conversation, we're really not here to find fault, but we're also not here to cover up. We're just trying to get more of the, the facts on the ground so that this program can be improved and work better in the future. Can we, we start off with the, the question of duplication of benefits? You mentioned there were three problems that the program was criticized for in the Texas Tribune story, and one of those was duplication of benefits. Walk us through why somebody might get two checks or checks from different entities. Yeah, and so Texas rent relief, anyone in Texas can apply for. It's, it's our statewide emergency rental assistance program, but we also have 37 or 38 local programs across the state. And so just for an example, a tenant in Houston can either apply to the the Houston-Harris County local program, or they can apply to Texas Rent Relief, or they can apply to both for different months of assistance, and that's the important part. If they apply to both programs for the same months of assistance, this is what we call duplication of benefits. And so what we're seeing is that Texas Rent Relief may not have had to the extent of guardrails that they should have to prevent duplication of benefits, and now they're kind of dealing with the problem after the fact. And they're having local programs go back and check their data and see if any of the tenants that they have funded have also been funded by Texas Rent Relief for the same months. And if this is the case, then whichever program funded the tenant last, whether it's a state or local program, will claw back funds. And so this could be a tenant who was dealing, like I said, with so many things. Maybe they had a family member in the hospital, they lost a job, it's a, it's a pandemic, it's a financial crisis. They applied wherever they could seeking assistance and they received a, a certain amount of assistance and they're relying on a, that certain amount of assistance to cover their rent. But that, now they're suddenly having it clawed back. Tori, you've spent a lot of time watching eviction court hearings. I can imagine that 
as a tenant and you get that eviction notice and you're called into court and you're facing having your stuff put out on the street corner by the constable through an eviction, that that's a pretty major trauma that you're going through. To what extent do you think that trauma plus the the complications of applying for this program might lead tenants to apply to anybody and everybody to get assistance and then result in duplication. Is that, have I laid out a a possible scenario here? Yes, absolutely. And I even have seen cases where judges or landlords will even advise tenants, perhaps incorrectly based on what Aaron just said, to apply to multiple programs for the same months. So there is definitely potential for tenants to be misled down this wrong path that, you know, they they hear advice from people that they think are informed and they follow it. We don't always have everyone, whether that's landlords or tenants, read all the fine print on the applications, right? So sometimes it is hard to keep track of which months you applied to which program and things like that. Erin, to what extent do you think the the fact that this is a program that's never been run before plays a role in some of the problems that we're we're hearing about? There is no precedent for the state or the multiple local governments to actually administer a program like this, is there? Yeah, so the state and several local jurisdictions, many local jurisdictions did have experience dispersing rent relief before the pandemic, but not at this scope. During the pandemic, we've seen just a huge mass of people struggling who had never been struggling before, who had never had the experience of having to navigate rental assistance programs like this before. That's why we see issues like this with people confused about how to navigate this difficult process, which program to apply to. But you're right, this past year is a learning experience when it comes to rental assistance. And so that's why I think it's important that we take these lessons that we've learned, like the fact that there needs to be guardrails against fraud, guardrails against duplication of benefits, and just better accountability and enforcement of of these rules in the future when additional funding becomes available. I don't know if you were around, Erin, but early on in this process, I recall talking to uh, a senior person at the Texas Department of Housing Community Affairs about her concerns that this program was going to be difficult to keep from having this duplication of benefits problem because there was no requirement that the 36 local jurisdictions that administered the money actually shared a database with the state about who had applied for assistance from the local jurisdiction. So if there was one central database, it would be possible then to eliminate duplication of benefits. But the way that the Treasury set the program up, each local governmental jurisdiction is independent of the other, and there's no formal requirement to share information about applicants. So it's almost as if, I think, this duplication of benefits problem was going to be inevitable, given what Tories told us about the fact that 
tenants were sometimes being told, go out and apply for assistance wherever you can apply. And the fact that there is no database for the state to say, oh, they got help from city of Houston or they got help from Fort Worth. And so we're not going to send them a check. So the checks go out. And then once they go out, what happens? Once duplication of benefits occurs, what happens then? So we're seeing that this this check for duplicated benefits that you were talking about happens after the award has already been approved, as opposed to before, which which might solve the problem. And so the burden is on the local jurisdiction to check for for duplication of benefits to check if someone that they have funded has also received funding from the state program for the same amount of months. And if that scenario is discovered, then the program who assigned funding to the tenant second claws back that amount of funding. And so the tenant landlord is required to give back to either the state or local program that amount of money that they were approved for. Now, these checks, do these checks go to the tenant or do they go to the landlord? They go to the landlord's bank account. So when there is a duplication of benefit, then it's up to the state to be able to get the money back from the landlord. And that seems to be a problem. There's some indication in the Texas Tribune story that this is a problem, right? It is a problem. Okay. Let's move to the let's move to Tory's area of of expertise and the this question of wrongful evictions. Why would there be wrongful evictions? What are the rules that the justices of the peace are supposed to be operating under and what are we seeing that's happening that's in variance with those rules? Yeah, great question. So if I can start off talking about the the duplication issue, we often see if the landlord does get paid by two programs, they'll apply that duplication to future month's rent or something like that because they think they can apply all the money to the tenant's rent. So once they start getting notified that they have to send the duplication back to a program, the tenant suddenly becomes behind on months they thought were paid. So suddenly the tenant sees that they are behind and can have another eviction notice and get sent back to court. I want to explore that a little bit. So the tenant might not even know that two checks arrived to the landlord. And the landlord, as you said, would use check number one to pay the past rent and sort of be crediting the future rent to check number two. And then all of a sudden the state sends a notice to the landlord and says, hey, pay back all that check number two money. Then suddenly the tenant ends up owing what could be a considerable amount of money, a lot more than one month's rent in many cases, right? Absolutely. And as you can imagine, there are other bills to pay. So sometimes the tenant uses that money that they thought appropriately went to their rent and pays off other bills. So it's not always the case that when they are notified that this money is going back, that they can just pay off that amount. That's a serious problem. What are the rules? There's some Supreme Court rules about if a tenant has applied for rental assistance, the 
foreclosure is supposed to be abated. Help us understand all that and talk about what you read in the Texas Tribune story and how that jives with what you're seeing when you're sitting in court watching these cases. Right. Yeah. So there is a Supreme Court order in the whole state of Texas that says the justices of the peace should be required to abate a case for 60 days if the landlord and tenant are in the process of applying to or receiving rent relief. And that can be from the state program or the local programs that Aaron mentioned before. So what we've been seeing in court is quite a few cases of the landlord asking to proceed with eviction despite being in the process of trying to receive rental assistance. So within the Supreme Court order, it does state that the landlord must formally withdraw from the rent relief application in order to proceed with the eviction process. And perhaps this is not clear to some of the justices of the peace, or, you know, maybe it's just not well enough enforced, but we are seeing plenty of landlords with active rent relief applications continuing to evict their tenants. And so what that looks like when you zoom out is a tenant is evicted and then potentially the landlord can still receive that rental assistance after the tenant has been evicted. Ah, this is complicated stuff. So basically the Texas Supreme Court says, which in Texas Supreme Court is over the justice of the peace courts. They, they make rules that the justice of the pieces have to abide by. So they basically told them, if a tenant has applied for rental assistance, you're supposed to abate the eviction. Is that true? So that's a good reminder to clarify that in order for there to be an abatement, the landlord and tenant must both be in the process together. So in some cases, tenants can apply to certain programs on their own without kind of landlord participation. But in cases like the the state program, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but the state program does require often tenants and landlords to be in the process together. And if that is the case, that's where the landlord needs to formally withdraw from the program before continuing with eviction. That's right, Tori. No wonder tenants are uh, confused in this process. The third problem that was brought up in the Texas Tribune story is where money is sent to the wrong landlord. Lord have mercy. So, you know, do we see do we see evidence of that, Tori and Aaron? Absolutely. I I would say that I see the other two situations much more in court, but I have seen cases where either the money goes to a different landlord or just a different address that neither the tenant or landlord know what's at that address. And right. So in those cases as well, the landlord can or maybe not can proceed, but does proceed with evictions because they don't receive their check. The rent relief program may see that the check was cashed somewhere, but it wasn't in the landlord's bank account. So it's kind of 
up in the air for everyone. So the ERA administrative process screws up, the wrong landlord gets the check, and the tenant gets evicted. Yes. Okay, that's clearly a problem too. So Aaron, give us some context. I think you said 300,000 people got assistance. Was that the number you gave us? What percentage of those 300,000 do we know encountered any of these three problems we're talking about in this Texas Tribune story? They do not have any hard data that would quantify what portion of the total assisted have encountered issues like this. We, for the most part, have only encountered these issues anecdotally. Like Tori has said, she's observed it happening in court. So we have we have observational data on it. And we have, we have received communications from tenants asking for our assistance with help when they encounter these issues. But we, we don't know what portion of this 300,000 plus households have experienced these issues. And so to get back to the point we were talking about earlier, we don't want to minimize um, the severity of these issues. We don't want to see this happen to any household. Eviction is extremely traumatizing. We don't want to see that happen to anyone. But it is important to note that on a large scale, Texas Rent Relief has been highly efficient. It's, it's assisted thousands of families in a short span of time. And so we don't want these issues to outshine its efficiency and its success. And we don't want it to thwart efforts to get the state appropriated more funding for rental assistance because evictions are rising in the state of Texas as, as the safety net of rental assistance has been dwindling. And so need persists. And Texas Rent Relief has been, in the most part, very successful at getting money in the hands of families who need it. And they should be given more money to disperse to households. Yeah, absolutely. These things definitely need to get fixed. And I've never been hesitant over the years to criticize government programs. We should point out, and the Texas Tribune has done a great service in pointing out these problems, but it is important that we keep this, we keep this situation in context. This is an emergency situation. This is a pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of Texans would have lost their homes had this assistance not been available. When people are hurt, somebody needs to go back and fix it, especially if the government is involved. They need to make it right in some way. But we need to avoid a mindset that says, if a program has problems, especially a new program, and an emergency program has problems, then we should never try. Because had we not tried, literally the homeless shelters would have been overflowing Kids would have been out of school, families would have been on the street, and their lives an economic ruin. And this program has provided enormous, important stability in a time of, of great crisis. So we wanted to share our opinion and our view of this situation with uh, our listeners um, a little louder. And if you've got questions, you can you can write us, Aaron at Texas Housers or Tori at Texas Housers. And if you've got stories you'd like to share with us, you've been through the system and encountered problems, we're really interested in knowing about those. And we will do our best to try to elevate issues that people have had to the, the appropriate government agencies so that we can find systemic solutions to these problems. Thanks, Aaron, and thanks, Tori, for what you do and for talking to us today. Thank you, John. Thanks. 
I've still got my 